There's a story told of General William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, not just the thrift stores. <laughs> you know, David knows about this. I thought I'd throw this your way, the Salvation Army. But uh, there was a day where he met Queen Victoria of England, and she asked him uh, some questions. She, she heard so many favorable things about his work in the slums, and um, she asked him, what was the secret of his success? And he said, Your Majesty, some men have a passion for money. Some, men, some people have a passion for things. I have a passion for people. You know, that's really what can differentiate the course of our life is, is what is our passion? What are we all about? This morning we're going to talk about compassion. Compassion. And that is a passion to be with or to care about the needs of others. Um, this is a matter of the heart. I don't know if you want to think about it this morning. Why do some people have more compassion than others? I don't know if you ever thought about that. Why do some people seem to have more compassion, seem to care, seem to be more concerned about those around them than other people? You may have met people that seem to just live in their own world, their own bubble, and everything that happens in their life really is about how it matters to them. Something that happened, man, this really made it difficult for me. This made it hard for me. Everything in their life really revolves around how things impact them. But there's others who live their life a different way, and their hearts are oriented a different way, and that is, man, what's going on with you? What's going on in your life? How could I be a blessing? How can I make a difference to you? And those are people that we would say are filled with <laughs> compassion. Compassion has with it, I put a definition on your notes if you want to take notes, is the emotion that is a, a sense of shared suffering, most often combined with the desire to alleviate or reduce the suffering of another, to show special kindness to those who suffer. It's looking at somebody else's situation, looking at somebody else's problems, and saying, you know what, I care about that. That matters to me. Uh, a lot of times we can get so caught up in our own problems, our own issues, because we all have them, that we forget that other people are going through things at the same time. We think, because I'm going through this, man, the whole world stops and it revolves around me. And, and should we care about our problems? Of course we should. But compassion, being filled with compassion, has the sense that we're going to look at other people as well and what are they going through and what might their life uh, be happening in there, even though it may be hidden beneath the surface. Compassion arises from, from what we call empathy. And it's, it's characterized by us wanting to put ourselves in that person's shoes. What would it be like to be that person in that situation? We think about it that way. Often compassion builds from what the Bible calls, the, what we call the golden rule. It comes from the Bible. But you, know, you can phrase that in a number of different ways. Matthew 7, 12, treating others as you'd want to be treated. Love others as you love yourself. But being able to look at another person and, and finding that commonality, that similarity in what they're going through. This morning we'll look at Luke 10. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, this is a story that I would imagine is familiar to many of you, especially those that have been to church. You probably heard this story. And even if you've never been to church, you may have heard this story. Um, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. So we're going to read this together. Follow along if you can. Luke 10 at verse 25 we're going to start. Luke 10 at verse 25. It says this, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and 
Love your neighbor as yourself. This story of the Good Samaritan centers around the loving your neighbor. What is that all about? So this is what the man replied. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself, because that's kind of hard to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's narrow it down as small as possible, because that's challenging. Maybe we can love God and we can feel good about that. But who really is my neighbor? Can we get a, a small definition of that? Please, Jesus. Make it as narrow as possible because this is hard. But what does Jesus do? He says, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. If you studied this story, you know that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a treacherous road. Cassie and I have been there and actually overlooked this, this cavern where they would travel. Um, it's an interesting uh, mountainous bypass down in the cavern. It's, it's, it's a dangerous place. People would prey on those. So it says, he, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He saw the man. He recognized this man is in a tough spot. But instead of doing anything, he, it says he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, these are people um, who are what, what the tribe of Levi, who the priests come from, these are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of Israel, when he came to the place where he saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan, a Samaritan, and again, this I'm kind of going through this a little bit quickly, but a Samaritan in that day and time, and you may be familiar with Bible knowledge, or maybe not, but Samaritans were uh, the hated enemies of the Israelites. Um, because they were half Israelite, half Assyrian, because during the time of the Old Testament, the Assyrians came and settled the northern kingdom and mixed different races. And so they're partly not just Assyrian, but other people they had conquered. And they mixed them in with the Israelites, and they became this half-breed, half-Israelite, sort of worshiping God, but having their own faith and religion and different things. So the Israelites thought, these people are not pure Israelites. They're a disgrace to our our culture and our religion, and so they hated the Samaritans. They were their next-door neighbors. They lived right north of them. They actually had to go through Samaria to get to the northern part of Galilee, so it was kind of sandwiched in between them, uh, but at the same time, they just hated these people. They were not uh, friendly at all, and they would actually avoid traveling through their land, um, but Jesus, we read, travels right through all the time. But at any rate, so the Samaritan, Jesus says, took pity on this this person when he saw him he took pity on him that word pity is a, from the greek word uh spalanknos which basically talks about our visceral organs our guts okay so the word for compassion has to do with your gut has to do with your inner we ever get that feeling inside it's like oh man that, that i feel it right here deep down that's what the bible is trying to get out with or the greek language is trying to get out the word when we have compassion we feel it deep in our heart, or it's translated sometimes tenderheartedness, or something inside of us is moved. It's not just a logical thought, oh, that person uh, has a problem, I should probably do something. But something within us is moved. Uh, it's something at a deeper level, like, you know what, this is not right, this is wrong, I should do something about this. So this says that the Samaritan had compassion, he took pity on him. And what did this, this compassion lead him to do? He said he went to him, verse 34, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put on 
he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He didn't even want to say the Samaritan. He just said the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Which one was a neighbor? Really all of them. Which one acted with compassion? The Samaritan. So we're looking at compassion this morning. The main characters of this story, if we just look at it briefly, think of it. Which one am I? Which one are you in this story? There's the robbers. <coughs> You're taking notes. You can fill that in. The robbers beat the man, robbed him, and left him for dead. Now, I'm sure... I don't know your backstory, but maybe you've robbed people. I don't know. I mean, maybe you've left people for dead. I don't need to know that. Um, you can pastor uh, penitent. You know, I mean, I can keep that confidential. There's laws on that. But you don't have to tell me all that unless you don't want to. But uh, I would imagine most of us aren't going and robbing people at gunpoint and leaving them half dead. But it's a, it's a, if you think of it in an allegorical, metaphorical way, some of us live our life that way, where we're looking at other people and how we can take advantage of them. What can I suck out of this relationship? How can I win here? And when I'm done, I move on. Think about that. That's a scary thought to think sometimes we actually are the robbers in this story. You know, a lot of times when I heard this preached before, it's always, are you the, the guy that walks by? And we'll get there. But think about it. Am I in relationships always trying to get what I can get and move on? That's a scary thought. That's not compassion. That's the opposite of that. That's for taking advantage of others and trying to get what you can get. And if they don't provide what you want, you move on to the next person, next victim, next whatever it may be. There's a lot of people in our world that are robbers, so to speak. Whether or not they ever rob somebody of any cash or take their wallet, they look at relationships for what they can get out of it, and they don't contribute to it. Um, the second group of people... The priest and the Levite. The priest and the Levite. These, um, Jesus picks particular people in, the, in Israeli culture in that time who were religious leaders. The priest was like the pastor. He was the, the main guy. The priest and the pastor didn't do too well in this story. I'm the pastor here, man. This Jesus saying, hey, sometimes the pastors don't do too well. Sometimes they don't have compassion. Scary thought. And then sometimes the Levites are like the good church people that show up on July 4th weekend. You know, they're here. I mean, hey, I'm not barbecuing on Sunday. I'm not on the lake riding my jet ski. You know, I'm, I'm here at church. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes the, the people that show up at church and they look like they're doing everything right sometimes are not filled with compassion. Right? Sometimes they're filled with a lot of good religious activity. Uh, the, from the pastor to the people are not filled with compassion. That's Jesus' point. You can look like a great spiritual person but not be filled with compassion. He doesn't just pick the low-rung, you know, you know, Israelite person. He picks the people that are supposed to have this together and shows that, you know, even the, the best people that we think are the best, the Levite, the priest, they're not always filled with compassion. Now, these people aren't robbers necessarily, but they, they, see, they see the man and his problems, but you know what? They just didn't have time to stop and do something about it. We don't know. We can, we can interject into the story. Maybe they prayed for him. I don't know. Hey, man, I see you. God bless you. It's tough. Pray for you. You know, and move on. Uh, it says the priest was going down that road. If you look at the language of the story, the priest actually, it seems like, is leaving the temple. 
just like the man had gone down from Jerusalem. So he may have just got off work. He works at the temple. He got off work. I've already been doing Christian stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to go home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not trying to get stopped. I've been working 9 to 5 doing Christian stuff, doing, you know, religious things. And now i got to move on. Man, here's this. Oh, man, I just got time for this. This is tough. <laughs> I don't know about you. When you get off work, first thing on your mind may not be, wow, how can I help somebody in need? You know, it may be like, I'm tired. You know, and I'm trying to get home and, and rest. And that's that's part of being a human being. We all get tired, and that's part of being in a frail body. But this guy said, you know what? I just don't have enough time for this. i got to move on. The, the Levite, the same thing. He walks by on the other side. I don't want to get involved in this situation. Uh, we don't know their reasonings, but for whatever it is, they just avoided it. And they just didn't want to get their hands dirty with it. But the Samaritan, it says, took pity, had compassion, and he didn't just feel bad. Like, oh, man, that is terrible. Looks like you're about to die. Um, but you know what? I, I'm going to step into this. And I didn't mention this, but I, I thought I'll throw this out there too. The, the pastor and the, and the Levite in the Jewish law, if this man looked half dead, uh, they might assume that he is dead. And if you touch a dead body, then you're defiled. So part of even their, their Jewish law and all this sort of stuff, I don't want to mess me up. If I get involved in your mess, that might mess me up. And I'm trying to stay clean here. And so there is that sort of thought sometimes when we look at people's mess, do I really want to enter into that? Because that might get me messed up. So... Uh, and I'm not talking about wisdom. If so, if you're if you've struggled with certain things and then they're in the middle of that, maybe this is not the moment I step into that. But this is in general. You know, I got my thing figured out. My life is going how I want it. I don't want to disrupt my comfort zone and get over into your mess, right? So the Samaritan didn't do that. He was probably on his way to do something. He had he was on a journey. He had his donkey. He had his stuff. And this was not what he was planning to do. But didn't matter. He stopped and he said, there's a man that needs help. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to bandage his wounds. I'm going to use the medicine of our day. We're going to put some, some things on his wounds. I'm going to put him on my own donkey. I'll have to walk. I'm going to inconvenience myself. I'm going to take him to an inn, which was kind of like a hospital at that time. And I'm going to leave money. I'm going to get money out of my pocket and leave it here and then tell him that the owner of this inn, if there's more, this guy has more costs, I'll pay for that too when I come back. I'm going to check on him. I'm going to follow up with this situation. So he does not just one, two, three. He does so many different things of compassion um, as an example to us of what Jesus is saying. This is what I want you to do. This is the target. This is the ideal. Do we always do it? No. But as we think of compassion, as we think of the calling on our lives, this is what Jesus, um, his calling is to us. There's a story told of two liberal sociologists who were walking down the street. And they saw a man lying unconscious, covered with cuts and bruises from a terrible mugging. One of the sociologists turned to his colleague and said, whoever did this terrible deed really needs our help. So I'm going to look at real quick, who should we show, to whom should we show compassion? Because sometimes it's confusing. Well, maybe the guy who robbed this guy, you know, maybe he's the one that really needs help. Maybe I don't know. Um, so the first thing, if you're taking notes... Who should we show compassion to? To whom should we show compassion? Those experiencing hardship, either temporarily or ongoing. So, not just the people that cause problems. Sure, they need help. But how about the people in the midst of the crisis? Let's start there. So, everybody needs help. We all have issues. We all need help. But the people that are in a crisis probably are the ones that we should look at in the first place. Uh, those who are broken, downtrodden, neglected, needy people. Those 
going through a difficult day, a difficult week, a difficult season. Those people need our help. Those people need compassion. The Bible talks over and over about looking out for the orphans and the widows, looking out that God is a God to the fatherless, um, that God has a special um, place in his heart for the poor. Over and over in Scripture, God shows himself to us as somebody that cares for those going through difficult, challenging either moments or seasons. That's who God is. And he wants us to be like him. We should show compassion for those experiencing hardship. That's what Mission Lexington here is, uh, was created to do. This, this organization, this nonprofit, is a Christian organization that was formed as churches came together 40 years ago to say, how can we help those in our community that are in need? What can we do to pool our resources so we can be stronger than just one church trying to do it? How can we as multiple churches try to help the people in our community need. And now there's many, many churches that support um, this organization and pool of resources to try to help people in crisis. I think it's, being on the inside, I think it's a great, uh, actually doing a great job of, of that. Now, do we help everybody that whoever asks? No. Um, to be honest with you, we can't because some, some people, you know, we screen them out because of certain things or maybe that's, they need something more than money. You know, they need some other sort of assistance. But others, we, we just simply don't have enough resources to help them. Um, and so I'm excited for our church to be able to start supporting Mission Lexington, and especially in the area of crisis ministry. So we're going to start supporting, on a, on a monthly basis, the crisis ministry area that's all, always underfunded. So when somebody comes in, hey, you know, I'm about to get evicted, you know, I lost my job, I'm going to go through this tough time, I got, or say somebody, you know, I got my grandkids are now in the house, I'm trying to raise these kids, the parents are gone. Well, you know, I just need a little bit of help to get through the month, you know, and so we try to come in and help. It could be uh, domestic violence. We work with Sister Care here um, to help people that are going through domestic violence situations um, and so try to help them through that. Uh, we even started a, a crisis pregnancy center for uh, young ladies that are um, experiencing an unwanted pregnancy or one they were unanticipating. What do I do in this situation? How do I navigate through this, you know, and, and so it's not just leading to, well, that, that, you know, the world's solution is to just abort the baby and just move on. But what, how can we walk through this in a way that honors God, that honors life? And so um, there's all sorts of ways that we can show compassion. I know Mike tells me he gets on his riding mower and he goes and cuts grass. He just cuts his grass and he keeps cutting. And he's cutting the ladies in the neighborhood, the, the, the widows in the neighborhood. And, you know, nobody sees Mike doing that, you know. And Mike doesn't do that so that... He can get an award or a badge or something that I cut everybody's grass, but that's part of showing compassion for people that are in need. So there's all sorts of ways we can show compassion, and in doing compassionate things, it may not ever mean that that person shows up at your church and becomes a church member. You know, that's not really the end goal of all that. It's it's to be who Jesus wants us to be, to be His hands and feet in the world. It's not for a, a some sort of ulterior motive. We show compassion because Jesus has asked us to, because that's his heart. So as the hand and feet of Jesus, we do that, and we may never get a thank you. You may never get somebody that says, oh, man, you changed my life. It just may be something that we do because in our heart, we have that gut-level sense of, you know what, God wants me to do this, and i got to be compassionate. i got to get outside of my needs and my stuff and say, you know what, what is this person going through? How can I be of help? So we show compassion, number one, to those experiencing hardship. Number two, we show compassion to those who are far from God. Those who are far from God. Unfortunately, the church has gotten a, a reputation as being, many times, being judgmental. People come to a church and they feel like they're, 
being you know scrutinized, looked at funny, and they don't belong, and all these sort of things at the church. It's just for the, the people that got it all together. But the church is not for that. The church is a gathering of those who've been redeemed with the idea that this is for those who have yet to be redeemed. We, we are here because Jesus has transformed us, but we are not some exclusive club of, of people that have it all together, by no means. We're a place for those who are far from God so they can come and find the one that loves them, the one that has a plan for their life. You know, we shouldn't expect people who are far from God to embrace the Bible and to have the same values that we value. Too often church want, want to clean people up and make them look a certain way in order to welcome them in. That's not what church is about. We're here to have open doors, open arms to anybody who walks in because that's what Jesus has for us. Amen. Amen. So for those that are far from God... We're here to, to reach out to them. And rather than waiting for them to come to us, we need to go to them. And again, this is not, we go to witness to a lot of people so they come fill our church. That'd be great. But you know, they may go to another church. That may not even be, they may not end up here. Maybe they move to, like, it seems like a lot of people in our church move off somewhere else. And they're in the military and they move. You know, it's, it's not about one particular body of believers. It's about the kingdom of God. Amen. And so in our daily life, you may live on the other side of town and nobody, I mean, you interact with people that would never drive this far to come to church, but that doesn't mean you're not ministering and reaching out to those who are far from God. There's a story about a guy named Christopher Searcy who was playing basketball with his friends. This is good for you, Dave. But it's not good because in, it was in 1998, in May, he was shot in the chest. So be careful. Um, a bullet perforated his aorta not good news. His friends helped him to get within 40 feet of the entrance of Ravensworth Hospital and then went inside and asked for help. The hospital staff refused to help um, Christopher saying that it was against the hospital's policies to administer aid to those who were outside the hospital. Eventually, a policeman was able to get a wheelchair and wheel Chris, Christopher into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital staff. But it was too late, however, and Christopher died about an hour later. It was a crazy policy that they had, but we can't administer aid unless you're in our building. Think about that. Church implications. Well, when we just get them to church, then we'll really we'll, we'll work on them. And that's not, that's not what it means to be a Christian. We're out in the world. Whoever comes across our path, that's who we're ministering aid to. Amen. We're encouraged as we come here. If, if people can come, great. Amen. We don't want to, we're not trying to stay small. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to add people to the church, but we can't get caught up in, well, this person wouldn't come, so I shouldn't really, you know, show compassion. That's not the point. God has placed people in our path so that we can minister to them and show compassion. And there may be that person that you witness to that you don't ever see a response, but maybe down the road somebody else shares, and that's that's the moment when you're planting seeds in their life. That's the moment that we don't get to see, and only eternity will show us uh, all of the, our ministry and what that, that meant to their life. So those who are far from God, we are show compassion on Number three, those with whom we spend lots of time. This is a little bit different here, but those with whom we spend lots of time. I think there's a tendency for us to take for granted the people that we spend the most time with. It's sad because this is our families. These are our, our friends, our coworkers. But often we, we start to take for granted these people that we spend so much time with. And it's easy, I think, to lose compassion for them. It's crazy. The people that are sometimes the very closest to us, we can treat the worst. Isn't that so ironic? I mean, sometimes the people that we love the most, sometimes we have the least compassion for. 
Uh, my wife's been struggling. I would use it as an illustration. She's been struggling with this bronchitis, pneumonia, virus. It's like almost insane. But I'll be honest with you, over time, she's been dealing with this cough thing for about a month and a half. But as her husband, sometimes, you know, you're laying in the bed trying to sleep. It's like, you know, just get better. I mean, seriously, like, come on. I'm trying to sleep too, you know? You know, it's, it's easy for us to, to start thinking just about, I want to sleep. I mean, I'm not thinking about what she's dealing with every single day. I have to barely be able to breathe as she's coughing up who knows what. But I just start thinking about how does this affect me? How does this affect me? Well, I can't sleep, you know? And, and it's so easy for us to do that with the people we're around. You know, she's out there in the lawn helping me finish off the deck yesterday and like I'm like come on Cassie get up let's go <laughs> like, wait oh yeah she's really sick I forgot about that the doctor said just to sit there and watch Netflix but she's outside helping me but it's easy for us just to think you know what just get over it come on let's get with the program I mean have you ever been guilty of that with the people closest to you sometimes we have the least amount of compassion we just want them to get with the program move on you know let's go but that's that's not what God calls us to do we ought to be careful not to take those people for granted in our in our lives. God's placed them in our life for a reason, and we got to show compassion to them, even if it's for the hundredth time, you know, and, and it's over and over and over again. You know, there's something that you can even look this up. There's a website called Compassion Fatigue. This is something that actually exists where we can show so much compassion or we can care so much or be inundated by so many appeals or you watch the news so much and you see all the problems of the world, and you see all these things that you almost become numb and indifferent to the issues people are facing. Maybe you work in a, in a crisis ministry. You work in an area where there's always problems going on, and there's all this sort of stuff. And over time, we can become callous to the needs that are around us. It's, it's a reality of human nature where we hear so much, we're like, oh, another thing, whatever. You know, another, oh, another school shooting, another thing. Oh, well, I guess that's just how uh, life is. And we have to be careful about compassion fatigue, where we get so inundated and so caught down, we've served so much, we just burned out on caring. So what can happen is over time we become apathetic. And where we used to care, we used to feel that thing inside of us, man, that's, man, that's tough, man, I really feel for that person. It just becomes nothing. And we don't have that anymore. And we just go through our life and like, well, you know, life's hard, dude, what's wrong with you? And we don't have compassion. And that's not the heart of a, of a believer. God wants to help us with that. If you can go through days and weeks and months and have no concern for your fellow man, there's a problem. There's a problem. And it doesn't matter, like Jesus' story, if you're a priest, a Levite, or just a regular, ordinary person, we need to be filled with compassion for those that are around us. So how do we do that? Number four, we need to have compassion for ourselves. Finally, this is the last one. Who should we show compassion to? You have to show compassion to yourself. I think this is, honestly is one of the biggest problems. Some of us are so hard on ourselves. We show ourselves so little grace. We're so um, rough on ourselves that we don't have the ability to show compassion to others. We, essentially, we're fulfilling the golden rule, but it's in a, a reverse sort of way. We're treating others how we treat ourselves. And we treat ourselves like junk. So we, we're, we're so difficult to ourselves that we just become difficult to others and we're so angry at ourselves that we become angry at others and we're so shamed of ourselves that we we have no love for others and and really god wants us to understand his grace and his love that he has for us we have to embrace that 
that, that the God of the universe loves me, even me, and all my failures and all my faults and all my problems and all the times I've messed up. He loves me. He's accepted me. And he's working in me. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. And because of that, you know, those people that I interact with that are, that are difficult, that have problems, you know, he loves them too. You know, and I'm not better than them, and I'm not worse than them, but God, we're, all, we're all here together under God's, God's uh, reign and rule, and I can show compassion to my neighbor. Sometimes the issue starts with ourself. Sometimes, you know, we, we want to neglect our needs and just go serve others, but that's where we run into that compassion fatigue. We have to take care of our own needs, too. We have to feed ourselves. We have to get maybe in the Word and read some. We have to feed our spirit, our inner man. We have to feed that if we're going to have any sort of ability to care about somebody else. If we neglect our own heart and our own lives, we won't have much to bring to the world. Duke University did a study on what they called peace of mind. I think this is, is pretty neat, and I'll share these things to you. They found factors, eight factors, that contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability. This is how we feed ourselves. This is how we show compassion to ourselves. And these are some things that we can put in our lives. So no, number one was the absence of suspicion and resentment. Nursing a grudge was a major factor of unhappiness. We can't hold on to grudges. We have to forgive. The Bible mm -hmm. teaches us to forgive. So when we hold on to resentment, we, we reduce our ability to show compassion to others. We've got to let these things go. Number two, living in the past. When we live in the past, we start... Uh, reliving all these experiences, all these things that happened to us, and we just that's where we are. We can't be in the present with that person that's with us because we're so caught up in the past. God wants us to be present in this moment. Here I am. This person's right here in need, but I'm so caught up in the past and reliving all these things, I can't even experience the present. Number three, not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you can't change. Cooperate with life instead of, of trying to run away with it. So, so many things in life we can't change, but we... We, we just sit there and we worry about this, worry about that. You know, there's nothing I can do about this. This is what it is. So I'm not going to spend all my time in the midst of this situation. I can't change. I'm going to give it to God. God, here's this need. Here's this issue. I give it to you. I may have to do this multiple times because somehow it comes back up, you know, but I have to keep doing this. But God, I can't change this. This is my reality. So Lord, help me today. To not waste all my time worrying about this, but to move forward in what, what you want me to do. Number four, force yourself to stay involved in the living world. This is, I thought this is a good one. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during times of, of periods of emotional stress. I think a lot of that has to do also how we get, also how we get on our phone. All right, I'm just going to disengage. And we, all of a sudden there goes an hour. You know, we just kind of disengage from the world. We got to be in the living world. If we're going to show compassion, we have to be present to the world. Mm -hmm. And so we can't always just suck back into our phones, our devices, our, our Netflix binging and all that and just kind of isolate ourselves. We have to live our lives in the world. Be present. Number five, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the facts that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. We're all going to suffer. The Bible says... In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, either, but overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. So when trouble comes your way, you shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Jesus has already told us, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to have problems. Things are not going to go well. There's times of, of stress, and it, it, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes they're more than others. 
But when it comes your way, don't be so surprised and, and get so caught up with it, but realize this is just part of living in this broken world. I'm going to have trouble. And so will those around me. Number six, cultivate old-fashioned virtues. Love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. That's what he said. We need to have these ability to laugh at ourselves. Ability to show love and have some sense of humor. Look at things not so down and dreary, but have compassion, loyalty. Be, you know, stick with people through the thick and the thin. Number seven, don't expect too much of yourself. Don't expect too much. Don't have this high self-expectation when the goals are really down here. A lot of times we don't say, all right, now tomorrow when I get out of this sermon, I was great, I was encouraged, I'm going to be here now. Well, the truth is probably not. That's a good goal, but what can you do to take one step in the direction of compassion? That would probably be the best thing, rather than think you're going to be the most compassionate person on earth if you haven't been in the last seven years, right? What could I do as one step? That's what we need to do, right? Because what happens when we have these high expectations and we, our reality is here, we get frustrated and we give up. So we need to set realistic expectations for ourselves. Okay, I've been struggling here, but I'm going to take a step in the right direction. That's what we all can do. I'm going to step in the right direction. And then finally, number is, number eight is this. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Get outside of yourself. Get outside of your own life, your own bubble, and see what is the world about. And this is really where being a follower of Jesus can really redirect our lives and how we think in our hearts. We live in, in God's kingdom, not just our own. We're not about building our own kingdom. We're about building his. We're about living on the purpose he's given us, not just our own smaller purposes that we come up with. We have to live for something bigger than ourselves. God has blessed us with gifts and talents and abilities, but not just so we can build our own lives and make ourselves famous, successful, rich, whatever it may be. He's given us those things so we can be a blessing to others in the world. So those, those are a few things I, I find pretty helpful. As we wrap this up this morning, you might think, you know what, just as, as compassion fatigue can sometimes set in our lives, you know, what difference really can I make? Um, you know, it's easy to become apathetic. It's easy to become overwhelmed by all the needs, all the issues, all the appeals for helping this, helping that, doing this, doing that. Um, there's, a, there's an old time, you probably heard this example, and um, I was actually telling Leilani this one in the, in the car when I was driving her back. So maybe she downloads the podcast. This is for her. Um, this is Cecilia's friend that was here last week. But there's this old uh, story that it's a preacher story about a time where an old man and a little boy were walking along the beach and um, as they walked along the beach, they had noticed that all of these starfish had washed up on the on the, the shore, and they were all struggling to survive because I don't know if starfish breathe or not or whatever they do, but apparently being on the shore was bad for them. <laughs> I don't know enough about starfish, but as they were they were looking at these starfish, it looks like they're going to die. There's, this is bad for starfish. This little boy started picking up the starfish and and throwing each one by one into the into the water where they'd be safe and be okay and live their starfish life um and the old man was kind of indignant he was kind of you know being an old man and he was saying hey what what are you trying to do i mean there's there's thousands of these things there's there's hundreds of thousands what difference are you going to make to all these starfish and the little boy looked at the old man with with a smile on his face and he picked up another starfish and threw it into the water and said you know what i made a difference to this one i made a difference to this one and that, that's what we have to remember is it shows when we think about compassion. Mm -hmm. There's so many needs. There's so many people hurting. There's so much in the world that's wrong. And uh, we 
cannot fix it all. Our church, I mean, as we are 20, 30 people, are we going to make a huge dent in, in Columbia and South Carolina? I mean, probably not. Not at this point. But, you know, we can make a difference to this one and that one. You know, the offering we took up this morning, is that going to change Nepal forever? Probably not. But it can make a difference to a few people. That's how we have to see it. You know what, God, you've placed me on this earth. I can't do everything. You're not called me to do it. You know, touch every life. But, you know, I can make a difference to a few. And as I do that, who knows if those few will make a difference to a few and how that will multiply for the kingdom of God in ways I'll never know. And so as we conclude this morning, think about it this morning. Who can I show, to whom can I show compassion this week? Who's a person that I can show compassion to this week? Maybe it's someone near to you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend that you've kind of been taking for granted. Maybe it's somebody, a parent, a loved one, somebody that you kind of just always assume they're there and you just kind of take them for granted. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. Maybe it's that person that gets under your skin at work and you're like, oh man, I just want to avoid this person and walk on the other side of the road. But maybe God's called you to show compassion because maybe they're, they're, they're that way because they're dealing with something. Maybe there's people that are far from God that you can think of in your life that you could show compassion to. Maybe there's people, I don't know, that are hurting, whatever the case may be, but God has called us to show compassion. And it starts by looking at our own selves and saying, God, you've showed me so much grace. Am I giving the grace to myself that you've given me? As we wrap this up, I'm going to play this uh, this song. And uh, if you would just... I don't know that you can actually read the lyrics because I realized how small it was once it got up there. But if you want to close your eyes and just listen to it, it's a really, I think it's a really powerful song about showing love to to the world. And um, really, for us to show true love to the world, we need the love of God to fill our hearts. And that's a spiritual thing. That's something we have to invite Jesus to come and fill our lives with his love. Because we have a limited amount in our own selves, but he has an infinite amount of love that he can pour into our hearts. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the world. The one in whom you love and gave yourself for humanity. Increase my love. Help me to
church this morning. If you need um, if you'd be here this morning and say, you know what, I need the Lord's help to show more compassion. Um, if you want to lift your hand, I mean, I know that's me. If you want to join me and just lift your hands as we pray. Lord, we need you. God, fill our hearts with compassion. Some people are easy to love. Some people are a lot more challenging. But God, you have called us to love all people. And especially those that are going through difficult times, those who have a struggle or a challenge that they're facing. So Lord, help us to lead the way in that. God, as a church, help us to identify where we can show compassion, where we can help, what we can do. Lord, just because we can't do everything, help us not to think we can't do something. Lord, I pray that we would be very mindful to show compassion to those that are near to us, close to us, those who are around all the time. Help us not to take them for granted. Lord, help us to get outside of our own little bubble, our own little world, our own little way of viewing the, the things that happen to us. God, help us not to see everything just through the lens of how it affects us, but Lord, help Help us to get outside of that and see that there's a, there's a big world that needs people that are alive in you, that are on mission for you each and every day. God, you place people in our path that we can encourage, that we can pray for, that we can lift up, that we can help. <coughs> we can share our story. We can share a testimony. We can do something, Lord. So, God, I pray that we would do that. Lord, I pray that each one of us will take a step in that direction this week. Help us to be concerned, even feel it deep within our hearts, deep within our, our gut, even as the scripture says. Feel that, that concern and that compassion for our fellow man. In 
Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.